Hey, this morning, if you're a note taker, my message is entitled Honoring the Heart of a Samuel. Honoring the Heart of a Samuel. And so look through, oh, look at this guy. Honoring, isn't it? This is like a. Look at him. So this is Samuel. He's on our stage. He's not the Samuel that I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the Samuel from the Bible, but Samuel comes pretty close to it. Look at those pretty flowers. He's such a hipster. Honoring the heart of a Samuel. And uh, we're going to get into that in a, in a little bit because it, honoring the heart of the Samuel is something that Thrive Church has done really, really well for years. It's a big part of our DNA, and I'm going to unpack that shortly. But before I get into it, I just want to share for a moment or two some of the changes coming up in the life of church. And uh, if you were here probably three or four Sundays ago, you would have heard the fact that we've, there's a role change coming up where I'm stepping down as children's pastor at Thrive Church. And so I've been kids pastor here for just under five years. So we actually came back to Thrive. I was living in Invercargill with my wife, Rowanna. And then Chris called me up and said, hey, I need you to come and uh, become our kids pastor. And so we came up here to do that. I'm going to move around a little bit because I'm a bit cold this morning. And uh, so came here and took over kids ministry in about this time time last year, I was talking with Glenn saying, you know what, my, my season of kids ministry is up. 2015 will be my last year. I could just feel it. You just get this knowing that that season is, of, is changing. And Larissa, who's here this morning, is taking over. And I'm really excited about what's going to be happening in our kids ministry. I've really poured a big, a big chunk of my life into it, uh, a whole lot of my heart and everything like that. And there was no way that I'd be handing it over if I wasn't really confident that the person who was taking it was going to take it to another level. And so I'm, I'm really excited about what's going to be happening um, with our kids program. And I just want to brag about Larissa for a little bit. Um, Larissa, I actually, I've known Larissa since she was six years old. Um, her birthday's the day before mine. And uh, she's from an amazing family and has got such a creative heart, loves dance, loves the presence of God, loves the creativity, and has done huge amounts of different things in kids ministry, not just um, in, in church here, but in Arise and stuff as well. And uh, I was talking with her uh, earlier on this year saying that the heart that I had for our children's ministry is like the TV show, What Now? You remember What Now when you're a kid and it's still there? Go, imagine What Now filled with the Holy Spirit. Where kids come into it and it's just like, the whoa, this is amazing. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, like God's turning up. The games are incredible. The preaching's amazing. The worship's insane. And this fun is just outstanding. And I shared this heart with Larissa and she said, well, that's pretty cool because I actually looked at auditioning for a job at What Now, but God told me that he had something else for me. And I heard that. I was like, oh my goodness, you're such the person for this role here at Thrive Church. And so Larissa, this morning, I just want to say that I'm so excited at seeing what you're going to do. And I'm really looking forward to um, my kids um, continuing to grow in kids ministry um, under your leadership here. Awesome. So part of this change for me of stepping out of kids' ministry is because God's been calling me into something else. Uh, two years ago um, to the week, um, I was sitting in Get Smart, and uh, Sam was there and Mitch and a bunch of probably about 30 of us from Thrive, and Andy Kabbalah got up to preach. And Andy uh, used to be a part of New Life back in the day and actually pioneered Get Smart, which is still going now. It's with the Arise movement, and they'll be doing a good job. And uh, I was there with... In this, in this session, and he gets up to speak, and they flew him in from Australia. And as I heard his voice, he's got a really distinctive voice. The more excited this guy gets, the kind of the more whiny his voice pitch would get. He gets, ah, like this when he preaches. 
And it brought back all these memories of being 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, of being in Get Smart when he ran it. Glenn was my youth pastor, and every year would take me along. I started in, our, in the youth group here as this little dude, and then became a leader. And I'd go to Get Smart, and each year it'd be like the faith inside me just enlarged as I was hear Andy preach. And he had this word that he would say, you know, a, a nation won for Jesus. It was a simple line, a nation one for Jesus. You know, you could, you could change your high school, you could change your street, you could change your family. A nation one for Jesus. And as he got up to speak and I heard his voice and I hadn't heard him preach for years, it brought all those memories back. And I sat there and I thought, man, this guy, he was the one who was a voice to my generation. I never talked to him in person or anything like that, but his voice, he carried something that was a voice to my generation. And I brought all those memories and feelings back. And I'm sitting there in this session, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and it's left field. He said, you could do that. And I went, what? What was that? And he said, you could do that. And I sat there, I was like, everything was kind of like dimming down. I'm just having this private chat with God. Is this my imagination? And he goes, you could do that. You could be a voice to a generation. And I, I sat there with it because I just wanted to be a senior pastor. Uh, and I was like, man, it's just like, that's what I want to do. And then, and then it, it changed tone a bit. And, it, and, and he said, I'm calling you to be a voice to a generation. And then it said, don't tell anybody this yet. And so I went home and I didn't tell Glenn, didn't tell Chris. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I told Rowanna, and I was like, I can't tell anybody else. And I went to Invercargill on holiday. Um, it was two years ago, and I'm sitting in church and down there, and they brought a guest speaker in, and this guy's preaching. And at the end of his message, he doesn't pray for anybody else. He just points me out in the third row and says, young man, God's calling you to be a voice to a generation. He says, oh, I see you running youth camps and you're running youth meetings across the country and doing all of this stuff, but you need to know that you're, God's put a father heart in you and you're to be a voice to a generation. And so I'm sitting there as God begins to unpack this. And here I am two years later going, man, God, you've put this desire in me and I need to create space for it because I'm the, I'm the youth pastor here at Thrive and I'm the kids leader and I'm the youth regional leader for New Life in Canterbury. I oversee seven, eight different youth ministries and mentoring the youth pastors and the youth leaders, pulling together things like Nights of Fire, which you had last Friday night, 250, 250 240 people in the town hall doing this stuff and going, man, this is not enough to change your generation. It's great having youth camps. It's great having big youth events, but that's not going to change your generation. Like that awesome like moments where people go, God, you're so big, but then they go away from that and it begins to dim down. I need something else. And so then God sort of started speaking to me and to Glenn and stuff like that about me creating time to lead the region well for new life. And so... Part of me stepping down from children's ministry um, is to create space where I can work a day and a half a week um, for new life um, in Canterbury to mentor and to raise youth pastors and youth leaders all across Canterbury, people who are going to carry the heart of a Samuel. The heart of a Samuel, because events are great, but it's relationship that will really show people the heart of Christ. And so as a part of that, I've been doing support raising, um, going around um, Canterbury, sharing this vision with different churches and things like that. And it's going pretty well. I'm at 30% um, of my support raising, which is pretty fun. It's a bit of a faith step, um, stepping out when you've got a mortgage and three kids and all of that stuff. And, uh, but I know there's something that God's really got his hand in.
Um, and it's an awesome thing. And I had this chat with Glenn a couple months ago, and I was kind of just right on that line, and I was stalling, going, oh, maybe I'll just get a normal job and see how things grow and develop. And he said, mate, revisit the vision. Don't be so scared. And so I went home and prayed about it with Rowanna, and I was like, you know, I really feel this is what God wants us to do. And so she said, well, let's do it. I said, well, don't you want to pray about it for a little bit? And she goes, no, let's just do it. I said, well, what if it doesn't work out? We're not going to have enough money for our mortgage. I mean, don't you want to talk about this some more? And Rowan is so black and white. She said, well, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say, no, honey, don't go after the dreams that God's put in your heart? And so I was, it was like a whoosh moment. And I don't get many of those from her, but man, I got one. And uh, so I was like, all right, we'll do it. God, we're going to commit to this. And in the morning we got up and we had an email from Jesus Culture. I've been waiting to hear from them for two months. And the email said, hey, I don't know if we ever got back to you. Um, but we want to come to your storm camp in October. We're going to send one of our speakers. And so it was a real confirmation that God's hand is on this. And I'm sharing this this morning because it's what I'm doing, but it's a big part of our youth ministry for Thrive. I'm the, I'm the regional leader, but because of the, the, the generations that have built before me, our youth ministry here at Thrive is the, is the youth ministry that's leading in our region. Like Mitch and Becca and Sam and Larissa and, and some of the others and Jack and stuff like that, they really lead this region. Like when we have a, a Knights of Fire, the other guys that are there all day setting up for it, the other ones that are on stage leading everybody into worship. We have other youth ministries that travel to come to our Friday nights here at youth group, and some of them come from like Kaikoura, and then they'll come, they'll come just for a Friday night, and they'll stay the night in this building and go home in the morning, and, and, and other ones will just come to visit because they want to have imparted what these guys are carrying because of the investments that's been built into their life because of the heart of a Samuel. See, Samuel in the Bible was this incredible man who, who just had such a heart relationship with God, and he was the spiritual leader of a nation. And then one day God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the household of Jesse. Go there because he has a son who's going to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes there and says to Jesse, bring out your sons to me. And so Jesse lines up his children and, and Samuel looks at each one and God says, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. And so he says, Jesse, do you have any other kids? And he goes, well, I've got one, but in a sense, Jesse was really ashamed of him. Uh, a lot of the theologians believe that David, King David, was an illegitimate child. And so he said, you know, I've got another one, but he's out there with the sheep. And so they go, well, we're not going to eat till he arrives. Go get him. And imagine David coming to the session. There's a feast laid out for the most famous man in the nation. And you walk in, and it's so obvious that your father and your brothers were wanting to keep this party secret from you. To walk into that environment, to see your dad and your brothers there, whether they had their heads down or what, would have just been like, how could you do this? Like Samuel, like he's the ultimate hero and he came for dinner and you kept it secret from me? You had me out working. You didn't want the leader of the nation to see your own son. See, I, the one thing that I see the most common thing all in Canterbury and all across New Zealand is a generation of young people who have such a warped and broken sense of their identity. They're so confused as to who they are that they're looking to everything that they can find to try and give shape to their identity. And see, David is, is a young man who's growing up, I, I believe, in a family of just real dysfunction. 
of a father who was just not really even wanting to present him in the same stature as the rest of his sons. And see, Samuel looked at David as someone who was being rejected by his own family and looked at him and was able to look past all of the other stuff that his family saw and said, man, I see royalty in you. There's, there's a royalty in you. There's a calling of God in you. There's a destiny in you. And then he anoints him and says, you're going to be king of the whole nation. You're going to be king of a whole nation. And, and David goes on to be described by God as a man who had a heart after God's own heart. And, you know, he would have been spending time with God and all of those things. But I only have one point this morning. It takes a Samuel to call the identity out in a David. See, if Samuel had never arrived, had never seen him, and never said, man, there's royalty inside you, David could have spent the rest of his life as a shepherd boy. But because somebody took the time to notice him, to take the time to see him, to look past what everybody else saw, to the gold that God put in him, God called out through Samuel, one of the greatest kings of all time. That moment in history could have been lost if there wasn't a Samuel to see the identity in someone and to call it out. It's not hard to carry the heart of a Samuel. It's not hard. It, it, this is what I believe it takes. It takes the time to notice somebody. It takes the time to begin to love them. And then it just takes the time to encourage them, to notice them, to love them, and to encourage them. It, it takes leaders, it takes fathers, it takes mothers, it takes big brothers, big sisters, uncles and aunts, and the family of God to call out the identity in a current broken generation. See, I've, I've been at this church for a long time now. I, I came here when I was 13. And I've, I've experienced some, some awesome things in this place. And the heart of a Samuel is, is so intrinsic in, in who we are. It's not part of our, like so much labeled out in our core values. It's just something that you eat and breathe and sleep um, as a part of this family of calling out the gold inside of people. When you ever hear Glenn speak about the prophetic, he says that basically the heart of the prophetic is just calling out the nuggets of gold in people. I mean, you might have all of this going on, but look at this chunk of gold that God's put in you. Focus on this. God's going to enlarge it. I just want to brag this just for a moment about five individuals. There's a, there's a lot more, but I've had a huge privilege to call identity out in some people. And by no means have I been the only person calling it out. But there's, there's five individuals today that I just want to highlight, and there's a lot more if I had time. The first one I want to talk about is Becca Masters. See, Becca's here this morning, and um, my first real conversation with Becca was when she was about 14, 15 at Easter camp. And I was a youth leader at camp, and I was having this confrontation because Becca didn't want to sleep in her tent. She just wanted some space. And she's like, I just want to sleep outside my tent. And I just like, well, no, sleep inside your tent. She's like, I don't want to. And so just like any good Christian leader, I thought, well, my only strategy now is to lie. <laughs> and so I said, well, Becca, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they have a lot of possum problems at this park. <laughs> and possums have been known to attack people. 
And I don't know whether she believed me. I was just, I was just out of options. And so I'm just like, I'll just straight up lie to you. And I was like, just get in your tent. And then she hopped in the tent. Two minutes later, I saw a possum run past and shoot up a tree. I was like, I've never seen a possum in this park in my life. I wasn't in that park very often, so I went into a tent. I was, she's in there, I'm like, it's true, you know, for the fabric. Oh, I just saw a possum, I just saved your life. <laughs> but she's a phenomenal young lady. She's incredible. She's on the worship team here on Sunday. She's a worship leader on Friday night. She's a youth leader on a Friday night. She's a second year biology student at Canterbury University, and she volunteers one day a week as my PA so that I've got the time to, to lead youth here at Thrive and to lead the region well. She just takes up so much of my admin. I, I reckon that I get probably an extra eight hours a week just in the presence of God and, and working with leaders because of what Becca does. She's someone who just carries God's heart. See, Mitch, Mitch used to be a kids leader here at Thrive when I was a kids pastor. And and Mitch is someone, I remember one time, I wasn't even there. I had these incredible reports coming back to me because he was leading the kids' service. This was about four years ago, and kids went to heaven. And had these incredible encounters with the presence of God. And one of my, my probably my favorite moment on the Friday night, we had the town hall book down and all of that stuff. My favorite moment was when Mitch was worship leading all these people. And it was a space where, you know, where it could go either way. And Mitch just got the whole band just to drop right off and just led everybody, just vocals, into worship and just, just wrestled that atmosphere into the presence of God. And it was such a confident and a bold move. And I was so proud. See, Sam, um, Sam's a phenomenal young guy. And two years ago, I was sitting here in church and he was sitting over there. He'd been here for a few weeks. And I looked across at him and God spoke to me and said, you need to take that young man out for lunch because he's going to be significant in the life of this church. And probably about a year after that, Sam asked me to be his mentor. And it's been such a privilege being able to speak into Sam's life. And I've already bragged a bit about Larissa, but she's just phenomenal, and I'm so excited to be working with her with our children's ministry. And the last person I want to just talk about is Jack. Jack's on AV this morning, but Jack's been serving here every Sunday for the last seven to eight years, um, running our kids' ministries, being involved, hanging out with young people, being at youth on a Friday night. And I've never met a young person with such a bigger heart to serve who's so incredibly passionate and loyal for the leaders around them. See, it's, it's an incredible honor to call identity out in people. It's such a phenomenal honor and a privilege. And it's not like you come around a, a, a young person or somebody like that and say, hey, you know what, I see this in you, and then instantly they start walking in it. It can take years. But the thing is, is that years are going to pass by anyway. So how rich are they when you can look back and you can see young people that you've had the privilege of encouraging and, and they're just running with Jesus and going, man, I wasn't the sole purpose in that. I wasn't even probably the biggest part in that, but I got to have a part in that. I got to be someone who carried the heart of a Samuel to say that I can see something great in you. And I say that as such a big part of our, of our church family. Because we, we came to this church when I was 13, and I just lost my dad. He he just passed away really suddenly from an asthma attack, and many of you know the story.
But I came to this place, I was part of a phenomenal family. My mum is amazing. She's an absolute champion. But it was in a season where I needed extra people to speak into my life and call me into who God was calling me to be. I've got a wee picture of Glenn and Chris. These, these were two dudes. When I joined this church, I think Chris was 23 and Glenn was about 25. And I remember looking at these dudes as a 13-year-old thinking these were like spiritual giants to me. I'd go to youth camps, kids camps, anything that they were at I wanted to do. I mean, Chris worked for the, the press doing a 3 a.m. paper delivery. I convinced him to let me stay the night so I could go out and do the press run with him. I managed to convince Glenn twice to let me have a sleepover at his house. The first youth camp I went to, I only went to because he said that I could share his tent. You know, and I'd, I'd sit in church and I'd just be like, I'd look at those two and I'd be like, man, if I could ever just be like them, I'll feel like I've made it. If I could ever preach like them, I'd feel like I'd made it. Because there were two men who took the time to notice me, to love me, and to begin to call out my identity. See, when Jesus was baptized, it was before he had done anything incredible. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't called Lazarus out of the grave. But he got baptized, and then the Father in heaven sent the Holy Spirit on him and then spoke in an audible voice saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. See, every young person, every adult, every old person, every human on this planet who isn't walking with that understanding that I'm God's son or his daughter, I'm his prince or I'm his princess, that he is desperately in love with and that he is pleased with, is walking with a warped or a broken sense of their identity. It's not about what we do. It's all about what Jesus did. It's the fact that God called us to be his children. And having a heart of a Samuel can sometimes mean that all you see is the God-given truth around a young person that, you know what, you're God's kid. You might not know it, you might not believe it, you might not feel it, but I want to tell you that He loves you and that He's pleased with you. And just beginning to speak those words over people's lives, you can begin to call up a generation. I was wondering if we could get the band up, that'd be fantastic. So this morning... What I really have on my heart that I want to share, it's, it's, it's the heart that I have for our youth here on a Friday night. It's the heart that I have for our kids here at Thrive. It's the same heart that I have for, for all the youth ministries that I oversee. As I, just, I want to see a generation who begin to walk in the sense of who they are. That they don't look around to, to relationships, they don't look around to substances, they don't look to television, they don't look to media, they don't look to Facebook, they don't look to any of this stuff to get their identity because they already know who they are. But how will they know it unless people just call it out on them? How will they, how will they know that they're God's son or that they're daughter if they don't have people who are carrying the heart of a Samuel saying, you know what, I can see past your rejection. I can see past your hurt. I can see past your defenses. I can see past your barriers. I can see past all of your brokenness because I can see that God made you, that He loves you, and that you're His child. And I know that if we have people who begin to take time to notice people, 
to love them and to call out their identity. I mean, it doesn't mean that you need to be walking around with a 15-year-old. That'd be awesome. But people who are in their 50s and 60s and 80s, they still need their identity called out. There's generations of people who are desperate for their true sense of identity to be called out in them. And this morning, we're just going to have a bit of a time of worship before we close the service. But there's two things that I'd just like to do. And I'd just like to invite you to the front during this worship time. I'd love to just pray with you. Two things. One, if you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with God, and you're like, man, I, I want to know that I'm a son. I want to know that I'm his daughter. I want to feel that sense of his love and his approval. I want to be in relationship with him. I want to give him my life. During this worship, if that's you this morning, I'd just love to invite you up the front. I would love to introduce you because he is a good, good father. And the other thing I wanted to share this morning is if you just want to go, God, would you use me? Would you just use me so that my life is just more significant than just myself? I want to be somebody who captures the hearts of individuals and draws them into you, whether it's with a four-year-old or an 80-year-old. God, would you just use me? I just want to notice people. I just want to notice them. I want to love them. I want to call out their identity. If that's you this morning, then I'd also just love you to come forward during this worship. I'd just love to pray with you. And Lynn and Peter will pray with me as well with you guys. That'd be awesome. Cool. So there are the two things. Let's worship.